if I could go back That's the first thing I would do, I swear that I would Do my best to follow through, come up with a master plan A home run hit, a winning stand A guarantee and not a promise That I'd never let your love slip from my hand Hey everybody, welcome to the Friday Night Lights Podcast. I'm your host Blake, and I have no one with me today because our schedules have not been able to line up just right. And so Russ and Lyle and I are still trying to figure out the best way, time for us to get together and have a discussion about this last episode, episode six called Swerve. Many things happening, especially with Julie, especially with Vince, and um, a little bit with Luke even. And then looking towards next week, if you've seen the previews, you see that there are quite a few things happening as well with uh, with Coach and some of the things going on for his possible future too. So we do definitely want to have a time to talk through that episode, but I did not want to leave a gap in the podcast schedule. And so there's an interview that I had done a handful of months ago that I've been meaning to to get up for y'all. And so this is the time for it. And it's an interview that I had done with a lady named Liza Richardson. She is actually the music supervisor for the show. Um, at the very beginning of the podcast, you heard a song by the Avet Brothers called If It's the Beaches. It's actually from season two of the show, and it's when Landry ended up going to Tyler's house, grabbed her, kissed her, said he had to go to a football game, but he'll be back. Very monumental part of the of the plot lines, especially with their relationship. As you can tell, then and beyond, music has been a huge, huge part of what Friday Night Lights is. It's a huge part of the storytelling. It's a huge part of how things are portrayed. Um, one of the things that I'd actually uh, forgotten about early on, but if you remember back when season one, Coach had to go visit Street and the and the hospital and talking about Saracen and he was going to be taken over and Street said, he and I are a lot different. You know, he likes to draw. He likes to listen to Bob Dylan. And I didn't think anything about that. But then if you remember back to last season, season four, when he left town, it was a Bob Dylan song playing in the background. And so I think they were able to tie things together pretty well right there. Um, here's one more other song that you may be familiar with. This was actually from from last season. This is by A.A. Bondi. And they were actually on two episodes ago in this season, on episode four. And they were actually featured at least four, if not five times, back last season in season four. Kill myself when I was young myself when I was young Where my fingers on a poison gun Where my fingers on a poison gun Cause I had to come back new Cause I had to come back new Wanna walk on the ocean blue And that was actually from the Toilet Bowl last year, the episode called The Toilet Bowl. Uh, last song of the show when they actually won. Um, so again, great song. So if those ring any bells, that's because of uh, of Liza Richardson's great work and a lot of her work, a lot of the songs she's picked is actually they are actually on the uh, the new soundtrack. It's called Friday Night Lights Television Show Soundtrack Volume Two. Um, if you type in Friday Night Lights Show Soundtrack, I think if you put in Volume Two in Google, um, it'll be one of the first few things that pops up. But if you 
or are, or you know a uh, Friday Night Lights fan that appreciates the music, I'll go ahead and encourage you to say this would be a great stocking stuffer. Um, the music, it's got some high points, it's got some intense points, it's got some really mellow points and reflective uh, moments as well. And so it'd be a great stocking stuffer. Go out, buy it. I think you can get it on iTunes and Amazon.com as well. Uh, just as instant downloads. But Liza Richardson, she has been working with television and film both for probably over 15 years now. She's done movie soundtracks and she's been working at television shows most recently. Lie to Me, Friday Night Lights, Parenthood. Um, I think she's doing Hawaii Five O right now as well. Uh, no Ordinary Family. Uh, she did Melrose Place, Life, Sh Shark. And then as far as movies, I believe she's done... Anywhere from Nacho Libre and Curious George, which are you know kind of lighthearted, to uh, to Wicker Park, to uh, Arlington Road, to the Italian Job, Mothman Prophecies, um, some pretty intense things as well. So, here is the interview with Liza Richardson, and we'll be back right after. And now we're with Liza Richardson, who is the music production supervisor. Is that the right title, or just music supervisor? Music supervisor. Okay, uh, Friday Night Lights, and uh, Liza has been working in the industry for many years, both with uh, movies, television shows, and commercials. Is that right? That's correct. And uh, have you been with Friday Night Lights from the very beginning? Yeah. Okay. Um, so one of the things I wondered is, did, was it you that selected Explosions in the Sky to be kind of the backdrop? Of, no. No. No, because that's kind of a, a rem you know, like a... That's from the movie. That was um, Explosions that's in the right. Sky was in the movie, and that's something we kind of carried over into the television thing. But, no, I definitely cannot take credit for that, that's for sure. Well, they've uh, – I actually – In I fact, I, I can't take credit for much because <laughs> it's all very collaborative. Well, that was, that was one of the questions that I had just about the entire process and is who is it that actually gets to pick? Is it, does the director, does the writer, does sometimes the producer already have their ideas and then it's just up to you to make sure it can happen or do you get to watch some of the, the pre-cuts, I guess, and go in and decide things that happen in there? Yeah. I mean, um, it's a combination. I mean, ultimately it's the, the showrunner and the, you know, the creator or, the, I mean, those are the ultimate, people that um you know that decide um sometimes the writers will write things into the script but we don't i mean the writers are they're going to tend to put things in that that may not be sensible so we we respect them um but sometimes you know we don't we don't necessarily clear whatever's in the script you know ahead right. of time um it, it, what I do is I, I provide a lot of music at the beginning of the season and throughout the season for the editors to have access to. The editors have a huge amount of um, power in this. In fact, more than the directors, I would say that a director on a film is somebody who's really going to run the show, whereas in television, it's more the editors and the uh, showrunners and stuff that kind of... I mean, the directors, in a way, they shoot the visuals and then they leave the rest of it up to us kind of thing in post-production. It's a little different process than film. But um, so the editors have a huge, you know, they, they'll pick things from my, from my uh, suggestions. Uh -huh. um, sometimes I'll work with them up front, like if they're saying, okay, we got a lot of football in this episode, Liza, we're going to need a ton of hard rock, or we've got a lot of ghetto stuff and we need some really cool hip-hop. So... I'll be working on it with the editors mostly as we go along in post-production. 
no. and suggesting stuff. And yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and where do you pull your suggestions from? Do you have just like a bank of music that's in your head from just your overall experience? I know that you work for a for a radio station as a DJ some as well. Is this where all your major catalog of music comes from, just from your experience? Or do you have people suggesting to you along the way as well? God, yeah, a combination of things. And I, I went to college in Texas. I went to SMU in Dallas, and I started DJing back then, and um, during that time, I, you know, I was a DJ on a radio station in Dallas, and I had, that was, I, I, I learned a lot about Texas music, singer-songwriters, blues, and all the all the indie rock there, and all the things that are happening in Texas, that was, you know, a long time ago, right. but um, it really lent itself to, I think, me getting the job, I, I, feel like I felt like I really understood the culture of, of that kind of music in Texas and that whole thing. So that kind of helped. So it's a combination of, you know, stuff I've known for years, singer-songwriters that I've known for years from Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but basically, yeah, I mean, I've worked on KCRW for many years here in LA and you try to keep up with new music. I just collect things along the way that I think are right for Friday Night Lights. Um, I try to keep it pretty current, but it's not it's not one of those shows that's it has to be super current. Like uh-huh. I work on Melrose Place as well and Melrose Place has to be like of the moment, like exactly of the moment. Right. In Friday Night Lights we use a lot of old stuff and then we use stuff from this year. So as I go along and I listen to new stuff, I'm just constantly listening to something new and going, Oh, this is perfect or I'll remember something old and I'll oh, this would be great in Friday Night Lights. And so I'll put it into my folders, into my playlists and iTunes, basically, uh-huh. and collect it and organize it and separate it out into, you know, we tend to use a lot of urban music, a lot of hard rock for football action, obviously, you know, some country and Texas music, mm-hmm. we use a lot of indie rock, I and the, that, indie yeah. rock I, the indie rock I try to keep pretty current, especially, and the hard rock. And the hip-hop. <laughs> but then when we use classic rock, you know, obviously that's old classic. Yeah, I think one of the uh, classic rock or uh, songs that I actually used this year is as Matt Saracen was driving away during the episode Stay, you know, with the, the Bob Dylan song. I think that I had yeah. so many people tell me, you know, that was there was not a more perfect song for a scene than yeah. that right there for them. Um, but I think right. this season alone, you know, the uh, – the episode just before that, the sun. I mean, it was a great northern driveway. As, yeah, uh, Matt beautiful, was, huh? Yeah, and I'd never heard of them before before that song. So really, I looked cool. them up and, and checked them out and all, and that was um, that fit very well together. And then again, the season premiere of this this year with uh, Sufjan Stevens when he did the come out. Oh, sound. amazing! Now, did you pick that one as well? I I was part of the process, but um, I think that one came from the script. I think that came from our showrunner, Jason Kadams, who created, well, Peter Berg created right. the show, and um, Jason's been our main writer and showrunner ever since then, and he's starting on a new show that he's written and created called Parenthood. You're working with that um, too, right? Which I'm working on too. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, the Sumption Stevens... Um, Oh, I don't even, I'm not even pronouncing it right. How do you pronounce it? <laughs> I think it's Sufjan, but it's spelled really Sufjan, that's it. It's spelled awkwardly, um, That was Jason's Jason. idea. That was totally Jason's idea. Well, I thought it worked 
it, of course, it was a little bit of a montage there, but I thought it worked really well. Yeah. Uh, as as the, yeah. that wrapped up. Um, I'd, Good. I'd ask some people what some of the uh, songs that they that stood out to them the most, and there were some I never, I didn't remember the the artist of, or necessarily even the singer of the song. But one of them was obviously the. Uh, I think the song Devil Town has kind of solidified uh-huh. itself. And of course, you know, we first saw that at the very end of the second episode with that almost a two-minute montage, I guess, of all that was yeah. going into preparation in and around Dylan for uh, for that. Yeah. Um, and you've, yeah. you've reused that a few times, haven't you, Devil Town? Yeah, we have. We have. I, I don't think we've used it this season. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, that kind of became sort of a theme in a way. Definitely, it's perfect lyrics, huh? De- yeah, I, I was yeah. telling somebody that it'd be odd if uh, if there really were vampires in um, in Dylan, and somebody goes, "Yeah, then it would have to go f- to the CW network instead of NBC." I know, there's, I know. <laughs> there's so much it's going funny, on. It's funny. I was listening to that song the other day. I was working on a commercial, and we needed like songs about hell and death and devil and and brimstone and you know all that. Uh-huh. And um, I thought, oh my god, this will be perfect. And so I was trying it against picture, and I remembered the vampire line, and we couldn't. It was it wasn't right. But in Friday Night Lights, it's more metaphorical. Sure, definitely. So it works. Now, do you look for songs or and or artists that are that are undiscovered yet, so to speak? Like you said, you use a lot of indie rock, especially in and around the Texas area and the Austin area specifically. Do they eat yeah. up the opportunity to be able to have their music, or is it sometimes kind of still work, and you got to massage the 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 I guess the relationship there between? It depends. The- it depends on the band. Um, yeah, I'd say like probably ninety percent of young bands are dying for sinks. Um and my friends and I joke that as soon as it's like certain bands and certain artists don't want sinks until they start having kids and having, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> house payments and stuff, and then they want things. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, some bands are, are really picky, you know, and some some are, like, just kill for it. You right. know? I've Definitely, yeah. Oh, my God. There's mo- most bands, I would say, are really, really interested and really excited about it. In those instances, is it the band's decision? Is it their manager or their studio that actually says yes or no to you guys? It's really up to the band, especially these days. I mean, you know, there's a lot of copyrights and, and catalogs that are owned by major labels and major publishers like from the 70s, where they bought them outright and the artists have no more say in it anymore. But these days, with the changing uh, you know, models in the record industry and the and the publishing industry, making more artist-friendly deals. Right. Um, most deals these days require the artist's approval. I'd say most deals, uh, you know, from the past for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. But like I said, there's certain catalogs that, you know, I don't need the artist's approval. I can just go to the, the publisher and, and, uh, or, the, or the record label and get it. But yeah, um, usually it's up to the artist, yeah. I was going to say another song that I think it was season two i'm guessing um if i I kept trying to remember back exactly but it really stuck out to me was uh the death cab for cutie song about uh yeah uh, bigsby's bridge and all and i around that time i just recently gotten into death cab myself and that stuck Uh out to me big that because it was a little bit different than what i'd normally heard on friday night lights but at the same time it fit very well um 
there's a lot happening there at the end of that. I think that was coach was having to go pull up for sale signs out of his yard and smash uh-huh. was go had some things going on as well too. But, um, you have a better memory than I do. Well, <laughs> you work uh, looking at your uh, the list of shows that you have and are currently working on. Uh, you have a lot more going on, probably trying to remember yeah. all those different things too. We have used so many songs in Friday Night Lights too. It's unbelievable. I was looking at the list the other day because we might do another soundtrack. So I'm just putting together all the. It just goes on forever. So right, it's a lot of stuff. But. Yeah, I've looked at it. Is the website TV show? Tunes or something TV like that. TV show music. TV they show they music. keep a good um, record of it. Yeah, yeah. And I looked do. at it last week, and I was I, there were songs that I'd never. I mean, it'd just be in the background somewhere that I didn't. Yeah, hear. there's so much that you don't hear that we actually put a lot of thought and energy into, and mm-hmm. you don't necessarily hear it that well. Um, it's a lot of background spots. You know, a lot of. You know, in this season, for example, you know, all the stuff in Ray's barbecue kind of has its own sound. And right. you can't hear it that well, but it's really cool music if you can hear it. It's like, it's this awesome catalog from the 60s and 70s of gospel and old soul that's all independently owned. And and so it's all really, really great music. That's pretty cool. So is all your work done there in California? Or are you ever actually on set or around the crew? No, I do work on um, a lot of things that we use on the set, like, for instance, karaoke is something that has to be cleared ahead of time. Um, Sometimes the marching band wants to do some fancy, you know, song, um, like play that funky music, White Boy or something, Mm -hmm. and then I'll clear it ahead of time. But in the end, in post-production, we usually can't afford to pay for the, the visual vocal or the visual instrumental on a marching band, so we we replace it with just regular straight-ahead library marching band, for example. Um, and then, you know, if it's a big song, like there was one scene where Tammy and Julie were kind of making up after having a fight. Um, the scene was cut, so it's not in there. But for that scene, they wanted to have a song set ahead of time because it was this big emotional scene. Uh-huh. You know, so there's a lot of instances where I also... The Heartless Bastards are on camera mm-hmm. in this uh, season. And you had a song so of theirs in the first stuff. season, too, I think, didn't you? Yes, and we've got another one coming up this season. Okay. I love them. Um, yeah, we did. That that when Lila's running. I remember that one in the first season. That was great. But um, So we've got them on camera. Whenever you see a band playing on camera, that's something, yeah, I have to deal with during while they're shooting it. Um, but I don't actually have to be there, unfortunately. I'd love to go to the set, <laughs> but... Um, it's in Austin, and so we, I don't get the opportunity. I was going to go for the Heartless Masters, but it just didn't work out schedule-wise. I just wanted to go. thought it would be fun. Now, is there a different mi- mindset that you have to kind of put on for working on, like you said, Friday at Lights versus a Melrose Place versus yes. Parenthood? Or, I mean, Totally. So, who, so does that something that they allow you to kind of craft a little bit, or does the showrunner – and creator go ahead and say, okay, here's what we're looking for. Then they come in and they have veto power, obviously, afterwards. Yeah. They have, um, well, we, yeah, they, they, I mean, I can kind of, it's all pretty, in a way, it's obvious to me. I mean, the world of Melrose Place is, um, you know, I mean, I pretty much, when I got the job, I, we all talked about what kind of sound it should be. Um, and it's just, once you establish a vibe or a world in which you live in, I mean, it's all, it's all kind of obvious from the scripts or from the way they shoot things or the, 
the clothes they wear and, you know, the way it's, I mean, Friday Night Lights has it. So you can kind of figure it out if you're, I mean, I can, and right. like, you know, and, you know, with too. experience and, and same with like my radio show, my radio show, I play, it's, it's, it's own vibe, it's own thing. And I, there's very little crossover with the work that I do as a music supervisor um, and my radio show. It's just its own little world and universe kind of in a way. It's pretty eclectic. But um, I think each show, you talk about it a lot, yeah, when you're in the planning, pro- in the beginning. You talk about it in your initial interview when you're applying to get the job. Uh-huh. And um, you try to make sure you're all on the same page. And if you are, that's usually a good sign that you, hopefully you'll get the job. <laughs> now, how long have you been working as a music supervisor? I'd say about 10 years. And have you? Maybe s- like eight or nine, but I, almost 10. Yeah. I was going to say, I've. I've been watching TV, obviously, all my life, but it seems like more and more over the last five years even that music has become yes. more of a, a central point of yep. telling the story. And I was going to ask you if you've noticed that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tele- television has really embraced um, music, new music in such a big way. I mean, definitely, definitely. And what's what's the biggest difference for you as a music supervisor or consultant even working in a movie studio or shooting a movie and, and doing the post-production for a movie versus a television show? Yeah, there, um, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, to me, television, even though, like I said, um, in Friday Night Lights, we don't use all new music, and that's cool, and I, I like to use a lot of old stuff, too. But I would say, in general, overall, on television, and not just my shows, but, you know, in general, I'd say... Television is more about what's happening in the moment and what's happening now. The music for television is more ephemeral, like trendy in uh-huh. general. Not trendy in a negative way, but just like this is this is a new record that's happening. I mean, you're in television. I think you're just likely to use new material, new music. Mm-hmm. I Whereas can see on that. film, films is, films are permanent. They're not meant to be here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, now with television being compiled on DVD and you get, you know, people watching things that way. I mean, my boyfriend rarely watches television, but he'll he'll buy all the DVDs and watch them, you know, that way. Right. So in that way, yeah, they're totally permanent documents. I'm just saying, traditionally, film is more of a permanent thing I can see that. Yeah. that is supposed to be... It's supposed to last forever, whereas television traditionally is more here today, gone tomorrow, even yeah, though, movies, like I said, that's changing. Movies, people are more likely to watch those repeatedly versus yeah. a, a television yeah. show, which I think more and more and, now you're seeing TV shows be redone. But. And also, yeah, yeah, sorry. And also, I think um, in a film, when, it's, it, when it is a one-time thing, it's just a one-time thing, unless it's a sequel and a sequel and a sequel. Mm-hmm. You you just want it to, um, you know, stand alone as, like, for instance, I don't know, I did Lords of the Dogtown. I mean, obviously, that's just, that's a, that's a, ca- a capsule of music from that period. Right. So I think films in general are more just trying to establish something that's supposed to be a little bit more timeless, that doesn't have to. Um, stick with one period of time or one moment in time. A lot of them do, but right. 
I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> it does. I think it does. When you work with a, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when you work with a commercial though, because you've got basically roughly 30 seconds or so to do your thing, is there a lot of things you have to do with that? Or is it basically you just securing the rights for the product? They're no, in fact, on, on commercials, I never, rarely do I clear the song and do the um, negotiations. I do sometimes if they hire me for that, and I, I've done it. Um, but you use, for commercials, you usually just get hired for research because usually the broadcast producer and the, you know, the agency themselves, they have their own clearance department. They do, they do that themselves. Um, so usually on commercials, you just get hired for creative research. Okay. Are there any other? Yeah, I'm just like, that's more, that's fun because you just, you're just, you know, finding a ton of songs to go with like a 30 or 40 second thing. Right. Yeah, because I've seen some of the commercials that you've done, just whether it's from Target to Nike to Coca-Cola, you know, Apple and iPods and all those things there. Those are obviously very popular products. And I can only imagine, like you say, the, the opportunities to be able to, to work with that. Because I think some people's idea of what a music supervisor is, is like you say, you just, you know, poke around on iTunes or try to find somebody on MySpace that's undiscovered. And then you just get to uh, give it to the director or the producer and say, here, use this. I know there's a lot more that goes into your job well, is just that. That is actually how a lot of people find music and um, use it. It's the bigger products with the bigger names, the big brands. Those are the ones that can afford to buy a nice song and can afford to hire a music supervisor. So that's why there's a lot of nice products on my ad resume. Right. It's not like every everyone who needs music for their ad can afford to hire a music supervisor. That's true. Are there yeah. are there other music supervisors whose work that that you admire based on their work on a, with television programs and and movies as well that that you notice have done a very good job? Oh yeah, almost all my peers I feel like have had great experience. You know, great. I mean, it's um, you know, good music supervision is a little bit hard to um, measure because it's all about how great the show is that you're working on really right. and how long it lasts and how big a hit it is. I mean, it's like you're as good as the show really. I mean, you're lucky when you get to work on really cool shows and you know, I could be the best music supervisor in the world and work on a crappy show and everybody thinks it's bad. And then you, you know, <laughs> you go down with it. It's just, but yeah, there's so many great music supervisors in Los Angeles that I admire, and and yeah, you always want to work on like something neat, something really creative, and has good music. That's mm-hmm. the that's the key. There's a I can't remember the lady's name, but I think she works with uh, with with the NBC television show Chuck. Um, and my wife and I just finally caught up on Chuck. Uh, last week, and now we're in, through season three. We're all the way caught up, but uh, I've yeah. noticed that Chuck has started to use m- music a lot more than I did in the first season. And we've actually gone uh-huh. and had to look up some of the some of the artists, some of the bands, and those things too. And so I think it's it's a testament. Like I said, I've I've done that with Friday Night Lights a few times. Um, that the music supervisor is doing something really good, and the other people in collaboration. That's it's actually being able to promote the the music as well as the story, as well as the their cast and crew. Yeah. So yeah, totally. Well, um, I definitely appreciate you being able to make time with this. There's, there's, t- hopefully, there's, there's many more seasons yet to come of Friday Night Lights. I know we've already. I think so. My fingers are crossed. I think I have a good feeling about it. 
Well, with all the shakeup that NBC's had with the Leno show and stuff, I'm hoping that oh, they they pour back into the uh, uh, I guess the hour long dramas. And, and I think they, I know. Um, Me too. And I, I know that you've worked on a number of them, so I, <laughs> that means more and more work for you, but especially Friday Night Lights. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's totally my pleasure. So Definitely. thanks for ta- for asking me. Thank you, Liza. Okay, good luck. And that was Liza Richardson, the music supervisor of Friday Night Lights, among various other television shows. And thank you, Liza, for uh, just being able to have a conversation with us and let us see another part of the process of making the show as great as it is. And um, we do appreciate your work and the music that you put together there, too. So. Again, um, if you're interested in purchasing either the first or the second soundtrack for the Friday Night Lights television show, they're on iTunes, they're on Amazon, and hopefully at your local record store as well. But um, I'll put up some links on the, uh, on the blog at fnlpodcast.com for some of the buying information there because, as I said, they would make great stocking stuffers for this, uh, for this upcoming Christmas time. And... Um, as we move into next week, hopefully we'll be able to get this next uh, podcast uh, done for this past episode, actually, uh, really soon. But anyway, um, thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on the web at fnlpodcast.com. Um, you can leave some feedback there. You can leave some feedback by way of Twitter or email or voicemail. All information is there at the at the website, too, to be able to contact us. Hopefully, I'll be able to have this next episode as well, a handful of uh, both audio and um email uh, feedback that I've gotten not too late, not too long ago uh, to put together. But I would really, really appreciate if anybody has any feedback to leave us, uh, please do FNL podcast at Gmail or 662-259-0185 is the voicemail number too. So look forward to hearing from you very, very soon. Hope everybody has a fantastic week and look forward to uh, the rest of the season. Bye-bye.
Teach me some.